Hello everybody and welcome to Around the World in 80 Drinks, our weekly journey into the world of alcohol with me, Ben McFarland, and my fellow thinking drinker and co-host, Tom Sandham. How are you doing, Tom? Hello, Ben. I'm doing very well, uh, pod bods. Uh, oh, sorry, that was my leg banging the table. Uh, I, I am that excited to be recording another Wowzers. podcast that I'm bouncing bouncing around the room. Uh, we are still, at the time of recording it, in a, a lockdown, uh, the, the loose looser lockdown these days, but uh, but uh, I'm managing to get through it. And, and how's lockdown life for you? Well, it's all right. It's okay. The kids um, are going to go back to school this week, sort of part-timey. Um, but uh, on Thursday this week will be the first day that myself and my wife will have the entire day, well, from 8.45 till 3.15 without children. And that'll be the first time in well, several months. So um, right. So I'm very excited okay. well, about I'm that. Be, uh, I will try and contain my anger. Really? I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm part of the, the group of people with two working parents and a, a six and a four-year-old. And we managed to get the four-year-old off to nursery because we just had to. We th- mm-hmm. didn't think it was worth it because the six-year-old won't be going back to school. We found out this week he won't be going back apart from two days between now and the summer holidays, just two days. And uh, it, was, it was a bit of a blow. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> it is. Um, Why haven't you and your wife I, got your shit together? That's the question I'm asking. Well, I've got the same question from for Boris Johnson and his dickhead mates. Um, I don't want to make this political in any way, but they need to sort their shit out with education. Um, I cannot keep trying to be a teacher. I haven't had the training. I am not a teacher. I am a drinks writer. It's about the most in- inappropriate set of skills we can offer our six-year-old. Oh, I don't children. know. I don't know. Um, if you if if well, if Joseph A six knows uh, the difference between an XO cognac and a VSOP. I mean, he's set for life. There is definitely a case to be made for that. And also there's a case to be made for feeding him rum before bedtime uh, so that he passes out quicker. But no, I mean, it's 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 a desperate, desperate situation. I'm sure uh, I, I'm not the only one who thinks so. And we've, ch- we've had to change things up from the curriculum that they send us every week uh, handily on a, a file that we have to print out. Printers. God, let's not get started on printers. But, uh, Why do no printers work? For the week. Why do no printers work? They, ever? Just, they are just the shittest invention. Uh, anyway, uh, so we've changed it up this week and I've, I've taken them into the, the world of art. And I thought, well, we go to the Tate Modern. I go to the Tate Modern with my kids because, get me, I'm, my kids are just but, la-di-da. Yeah, but they, they can uh, run around. We, they can run around. And we're members there because yeah. the members' room is brilliant because no one sits there and we can do our work there. But, um, but they, they love the Rothko room. So the Rothko room, for those who don't know, it is quite a quiet room with lots of pictures of squares that Rothko did, which is art, apparently, and they can do squares. So they like it in that room. So I thought, well, right, right, we're going to do Rothkos today. So we went onto the Guardian website to have a look at the Rothko video. And, um, well, (laughs) unlike the chocolate cake at the Tate, which my kids also like, they don't sugarcoat Rothko's life. It's pretty deep and dark. So we tried... um, Jackson Pollock instead. Do you know Jackson yep. Pollock, Ben? Just, just like, yep. uh, isn't that the one where he just flicks loads of paint everywhere? And... Action art, yeah. His life was also pretty miserable. 
and, um, and I just go through a series of these artists and realise the kids are just getting more and more <laughs> traumatised. <laughs> but we did action art, so they flicked it all around the kitchen and I spent an hour having to wipe up uh, paint. So that was a fucking error. I've got to say, if I was to pick an artist for my kids to replicate, Pollock would be way down the list. You should have yeah, done like a, a, a Manet or something, uh, or Monet. Which one's, Monet, which one's all the yeah. dots? Get up close, it's all dots, uh, isn't it? Um, <laughs> We're going to do Matisse next, because that's cutting things out and um, sticking on paper. That's good. I've watched them cut their fingers off. I mean, it's just bouncing from one irritation to another, this lockdown. If it was Groundhog Day, uh, as someone described it the other day, then at least I'd be learning a piano and saving kids from falling trees. But... Uh, it's like Groundhog Day without the benefits. But it's also so, not knowing anyway. when it's gonna when it's gonna end, or it's it's, it's suggested it's gonna end, and then they they move the goalposts. And it's just if 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 someone said, right, the kids are not going to school till beginning of two thousand twenty-one, then at least you could go, okay, well maybe we can take. I'll it. kill myself. Yeah, I'll just kill myself. <laughs> yeah. At least I know now I can kill myself. No, but. <laughs> If there's no school till 2021, and and, and we're we're writing a book at the moment, doing these pods, we could, I we could imagine do these remotely. Um, yeah. uh, we could go and live in, if, assuming the quarantine thing uh, gets cleaned up. You know, we could go and live in France or travel yeah. around a camper van, which f- f- for the children would be far more beneficial and educational than. Then letting them flick paper around the kitchen. I mean, I, it's just this, this, the, the, the fuddled communication is uh, in every in every sense. It's just so frustrating. They just treat us like bell ends. Um, yeah. And uh, whilst that is uh, rather apt in many ways, it would be better if they tr- treated us like adults and just told us what the hell's going on. But there we go. That's the end yeah. of the Think and Drinkers political podcast. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Please take our kids away. Uh. So what um, I don't imagine there are many people listening who don't agree, but yes. mercifully one of the things we've all got available to us is alcohol at the moment. So uh, so we are able to take the edge off a little bit by having some discerning drinks, which is what this podcast is meant to be about. So, uh, so what we're having let's talk about whiskey, Ben. Nice. We're gonna talk about whiskey today. We're gonna to talk about Talisker whiskey. So if you listen to the last podcast or you saw this in advance and bought yourself some Talisker, get it into a glass now and uh, we originally suggested we were going to try one expression of the telescope but actually today we're going to try through uh, three or four of them so whatever you've got in front Mm. of you uh, give it a pour i've got a 10 year old uh, the ten-year-old Talisker is a, a, a classic. Ben, I know you're a big fan. Yes. And um, it's beautiful stuff. It's a bit bit spicy, a little bit of peat in there, um, but it is a, one of your quintessential single malts to have in the collection. Um, for those who are listening but don't ever visit Scotland, then single malt Scotch whiskey is made in Scotland, isn't it, Ben? Well done. Good start, Tom. If that, yeah, let's start with the basics. But if you don't go up there, and when we're out of lockdown, sort your shit out, like Boris, because uh, it's an amazing country. Uh, we go every year for the Edinburgh Fringe. You've got Edinburgh, you've got Glasgow, great cities with great nights out. Got, um, you've got festival at the Edinburgh Fringe. Full festival, less so. Uh, <laughs> yes. This uh, pod 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 uh, bods we we were booked for a gig in Falkirk and uh, they double booked us, so that's why we we're a bit down on them there. Uh, but it was all right. We got the night off. Yeah. Anyway, 
Scotland, brilliant, brilliant. And the Edinburgh Festival, we have our new show up there, hopefully next year when this is all over, a pub quiz. It'll be a great show, so go to the Fringe. But away from the cities, amazing countryside in Scotland, and obviously they've got lots of whisky out there. And uh, we've enjoyed lots of whisky trips over the years to the Highlands, the Lowlands, Isla, uh, Speyside. Speyside's a bit of a spiritual home for the spirit. Been to Jura. It's fair to say. Jura. Uh, to what? Jura, Jura That's yes. That's why I had um, my whisky epiphany. I wasn't sure whether I liked whiskey until I went to, to Jura and it all came together. I was uh, I was stood on a jetty overlooking uh, the sea going from Jura uh, across to Isla and there were deers swimming across um, apparently to get laid. They were swimming from one island to the other because they knew they were going to get their rocks off on the other side. Um, and I was drinking this lovely, beautiful whiskey as and uh, as the sun was setting, and I thought, oh, now I get it. Now I get it. It's all yeah. coming together. The Jura was out until then. <laughs> very good, Tom. Very good. And do you know another thing about Jura? Not not uh, unique to that to the island, but certainly that region is that when you have a bath up there, the water is so peaty it comes out a kind of light brown, which mm. freaked me out at the beginning, but it shows that it's pure. And uh, yeah, I had a really? brown a brown water bath. That's fairly standard in our house with the kids. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's a good example of what the sort of sort of life lifestyle you can expect to lead if you go on a whiskey trip up into Scotland. Uh, it's a bit more of a sedate, outdoorsy sort of experience when you go on a whiskey trip. So we did a podcast on the Manhattan's in Manhattan trip, which is a bit more hedonistic, I think it's fair to say. But when you go on a whiskey trip, it's a lot of winter coats, proper walking shoes. Uh, and and I like that about it. I like it as a change of pace. And that's the great thing about whiskey. It's a bit reflective of that. It's something you you sip it, you savour it. You don't uh, scull loads of it and and muck about like a like a like a prat. You actually you, there's a lot of reverence around it. Um, and I, when we think about all those trips to Scotland, I think it's probably partly the, the lifestyle is partly to do with the climate because it can be. Um, how would you describe the climate Shit. then? Uh, well, the big thing <laughs> in Edinburgh, they always say, and it gets really tiresome, is they'll say, all the seasons in one day. Oh. Uh, uh, which is not true, because most of the main seasons that seem to <laughs> seem to dominate are winter. <laughs> Even yes. in August, it's fucking cold. Uh, some, yeah, and, and, and wet. wet it's just yeah wetter than ot- otter's pocket for most of the month um, in fact the first that, year that, we, that does... the first year we were there we got trench foot didn't we do you remember <laughs> manky trench foot yeah we ended we ended up cycling around in the pissing rain in our shorts and t-shirts because we were just so tired of trying to dry out jeans and jumpers and coats we just gave up eventually it was close to just cycling around in our pants at one point which takes us back to that podcast where we discussed getting mace spent yeah uh anyway that's one of the reasons why they've got such a great whiskey culture i think because you spend a lot of time indoors in pubs and the food as well is a, another reason for those trips to be quite sedate they've got quite rich heavy food those weird square sausages um, um, which are a little little harder to digest I imagine I don't know where I'm going with that but it was just dead they're just very very stodgy food so sitting down taking it easy uh, is, is a good approach to drinking whiskey um, so so Talisker and we get on to Talisker because that's based in Sky and Ben's mentioned Jura there uh, we spent a bit of time to and fro Isla as well uh, which is one of the islands famous for its whiskey, but uh, but Talisker is uh, is a particularly beautiful 
Ireland and they've got some real distilling heritage and the Talisca we're going to be drinking Talisca is a single malt a uh, quick one on scotch in general obviously some people are a bit put off by some of the snobbery around single malts single malt whiskey can seem a bit like the old world wine uh, community people who know a lot about it like to use their geekery to make newcomers feel a bit in- inadequate but it's fair to say this is fairly shitty strain of whiskey drinker is actually dying out a bit at the moment and in fact evidence suggests more women than ever are drinking whiskey bed so we don't have much time for whiskey balls do we as we say on our show what are these people bellens bellens yeah um uh, so so if that puts <laughs> is that what on, we say don't bellen yeah yeah people who say you shouldn't what that that women shouldn't drink whiskey and that you should well, only also that you shouldn't drink it with anything other than a drop of water. Yes. Yeah. I think they are bellends. Yeah, you no, can, totally. You, um, but from bellends to blends, and a quick word on blends as well, because there's a lot of people who come up to us after our show saying, oh, if we served a single malt, I'm glad you didn't serve a blend. Oh, blends are rubbish. Blends are not rubbish. Uh, single malts go into blends. So the greatest blends include the greatest single malts. So, in fact, up until fairly recently, we all drank blended whiskey and no one drank single malts because historically single malt whiskey was so bad, they had to blend it in the uh, 1800s when the whiskey industry first got up and running. So, nothing wrong with blends. Single malt, though, is what we've got, and single malt simply means it comes from a single distillery. And they've become much more fashionable in the last 50 years when we've improved distilling techniques, maturation processes, ageing of whiskey. So single malts now are very, very much in fashion and revered. And you can spend a lot of money on single malts. You can spend 20 quid on a decent bottle, but you can spend uh, 1.5 million on a single malt, which is what the Macallan 60-year-old went for in auction. So there is a lot, there's a range, but I've decided to go with Talisker, Ben, because you've been as well. I have. So we've both been to this one, and um, and we both loved the island. So let's transport the listeners over to Talisker. Now, you, you had a, a press trip up there. Yeah. Which, uh, in which you got to see a lot of the island. Yeah. Um, well, you can get there, there's a, the Sky Bridge, and it is, you leave, you get further and further away from... From civilization, and it just becomes—it's so stunning. It's breathtaking. Uh, I mean, it is, and it's what's really striking is how quickly you can go from the cities. Uh, you get get off the plane, and within half an hour, you are in some just extraordinary countryside. But I went up there as part of—they were doing this sort of charity event. Uh, this was back in two thousand and six, and uh, they were raising money to to plant. It was a, a big initiative to, for Talisker, Talisker to plant, plant something like 25 million trees in the UK. And they had uh, they had sort of three uh, rugged celebrities up there, as well as myself. I think I'd like to consider myself one of the celebs back then. And um, there was uh, me, uh, Martin Bayfield, who's six foot ten rugby player, Dean Richards, who's a little smaller but still a massive rugby player, and a guy called Lewis Pugh. Who raises is an incredible guy, a South African guy, uh, born in Britain, I think, but oh no, lives in Britain, but born in South Africa, and he he basically swims around the world in icy cold water, raising money and awareness of uh, basically the debilitation of our planet, um, and uh, we were there for three days, all all of us sleeping in in tents, um, 
uh, all uh, in, in this most you know right on the coast, and there was a beautiful beach there. And look, and I was there. I, I mean, I was obviously there as a journo, and I was I interviewed Lewis Pugh. Now he's in this guy's amazing. He um he's basically swims swims around in these speedos, uh, goggles and a cap. And he's he's swum the North Pole. He's like the Edmund Sir Edmund Hillary of swimming, and he um, um, he he does this thing where he can. It's called anticipatory thermogenesis, and this basically <laughs> means that if, by looking, it's just literally looking at ice, his body temperature. He's trained himself. His body temperature will naturally raise by two degrees. Um, wow! And he can. Uh, and I mean, he'll he'll just dive in. He I mean, he he recently swam un, under an Antarctic uh, sort of ice cap. Um, uh, it's, it's more like an Antarctic sort of ice sheet. So it's 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 just incredible. He did that quite recently, and he's like he's raising awareness just like Greta Thunberg. Um, and he there's I was just reading a thing about him when he emerged. Uh, he swam for a kilometer. He says, "I'll never forget looking down at my fingers. They had swollen to the size of sausages." The majority of the human body is water, and when water freezes, it expands. The cells in my fingers had frozen, swollen, and burst. I had never felt anything so excruciating. My nerve cells were so badly damaged, it was four months before I could feel my hands again. I resolved never to do another cold water swim. So, I mean, imagine if that's what it's doing to his fingers. Imagine what it's doing doing to his... I know. To his winky woo. Yeah, well, I mean, having met him, I imagine that he his winky woo is not is is he's not winky. He's uh, no, no. He's a very impressive individual. Um, and when I, no. I when I interviewed him very quickly, uh, we talked about the whiskey, uh, and um, I ran out of questions because he was just so intense and so impressive. And I was asking asking whether he can raise his body temperature. Uh, in the, when he's in the shower, does he save money on like his 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 uh, his bills and things like that? And the interview was was uh, was ended quite quite abruptly. Um, but it is <laughs> it is a it's a, it's a beautiful beautiful um, part of the world. Um, and the Talisker, what is amazing about the Talisker is is it if you go there, it does encapsulate the, its surroundings. It does express that. I know it sounds wanky, but that terroir. That people associate with wine, yeah, um, but, yeah. because it's it's I, I, really rugged. It, it's it, the thing is we because we um, we've both been to Isla and I I when I was going I expected another island malt to provide the same sort of terroir, but it does. I mean it is epic. It's big big country. I was lucky enough when I went to uh, I stayed at Drumure Castle, uh, which is closer to the, the Speyside region uh, near the Abalawa distillery in Glenrothesben where we went we spent the afternoon doing blindfolded Land Rover driving <laughs> don't know if you remember that <laughs> don't, was, don't try at home folks it's really yeah, dangerous especially after a glass of whiskey we were it was a controlled experiment um, and it's near Eightlands Gin actually where we were, we were we mentioned in a recent pod so we stayed the night in this castle before waking up in the morning to find uh, private helicopters a fleet of them on the grounds of the castle, and then they flew us uh, in convoy across the the highlands and the locks of Scotland, all the Wowzers. way to the top to the to the island. Yeah, it was pretty special. I have to say, it was a bit like apocalypse now. 
um, with the, the helicopters chasing each other up and down over the over the peaks and troughs. It was, it was amazing. So I came in and saw it from above, and it is a beautiful place. And it's only fifty miles long, and it's but it's the largest island of the Inner Hebrides. And it was perhaps this scenery bed that made it a nailed-on choice for filming crucial scenes in the epic 1986 fantasy adventure Highlander. You are the chosen. You are the chosen one. Yeah, there can be only one. There can be only uh, one. That's Sean one. Sean Connery. Yeah, Sean Connery in that one, uh, and uh, Christopher Lambert, the immortal Scottish swordsman who confronts his immortal opponent. Great film. So if any fans of, uh, of that film, that's where it was filmed. And it's because they've got these beautiful craggy rock faces uh, and this beautiful water all around it, obviously it being an island. And the <laughs> distillery itself, Telescope Distillery, is, is actually on the shores of Loch Harport. Uh, so it's got dramatic views. You can go and do a distillery tour there. It's one of the most popular distillery tours for, for international tourists, actually. And it's been there since 1825. It was set up by... Brothers Hugh and Kenneth McGaskill, who came from the smaller island of Egg, they were going to do some livestock farming, so they brought with them sheep and some lambs. So um, sounds a bit of a gamble. gamble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, who were they kidding? Goats as well. Um, anyway, they decided that once they got there, who were they kidding? They're not going to do livestock farming. They do whiskey distilling instead, despite. Opposite from the opposition from the local clergyman who said, "We're not making whiskey on my land," uh, but they said, "Up yours, priests," and uh, they they decided to make whiskey. So, so they've had a bit of interruptions over time, but uh, but they, they've had that distillery operational there for for a very very long time, and it's famous as a, as a whiskey style for a medium peated whiskey. Peat is as what is talking about right? Here. What is peat? Peat is mud. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just something they dig up from the ground, but it's an alternative fuel source for the islands of Scotland, and um, and they use it instead of coal to fire up the kilns when they uh, cook their barley. In the same way you, you do with a beer, you, you, mm. you heat the barley up. Kiln it, and, yeah. Uh, they, the, the peat gives off this smoke as they do that, and it kind of infuses the grain with it. And that smoky... Uh, aroma and flavour it, it stays with the whiskey all the way through that process from firm, through fermentation and distillation so you end up with something quite smoky on the nose some people like, really like that when you get into whiskies, you really start to appreciate that and Ben and I are big fans of Lagavulin and Isla whiskey which has got a really big peaty profile uh, some people don't like it especially if you're new to whiskey Talisker is quite light it's not particularly pronounced they have a very distinctive distillation process and uh, without getting too much into the geekeries of it all they have um, very tall copper pot stills a tall neck and and what this means is that the interaction between the spirit and the copper as it's being distilled um, is different to it would to other single malt distilleries and what that does is deliver quite a distinctive peppery or slightly savory note on talisker so uh, the two things it's famous for are probably that, the slight peat, the slight smoke and the slight savoury note. Having said that, it, in whisky, like all whiskies, it has to be aged for a minimum of three years in eight barrels. And, and in that time, there's a lot of other character that's added to it. So if that doesn't sound like it's uh, appealing to your particular palate, pod bods, then do persevere with it because it's got lots of sweet character as well. And it's distilled twice. 
and then aged in American oak. They also use European oak up at Talisker. And we're going to start with our 10-year-old, Ben. So we've got the 10-year-old whiskey in front of us. And you should be able to pick up that smoky note straight away. It is it is subtle yeah. if you're a big Isla whiskey fan, but it is in there. <clears throat> if you taste it, now take a very small sip and you'll notice mm. that it is quite spicy. This has been aged in American oak and in that oak barrel, it takes on all the colour, goes into the barrel of the whiskey completely transparent so all the colour you see in your whiskey has come from that interaction with the wood and then it adds a bit of those vanilla notes that you might be able to taste and smell as well um, which helps soften some of the smoke and spice to give it a slightly richer profile what do you think of that Ben? Well I think it's it's got a bit of smoke in there um, but it's got some sort of seaweedy stuff going on there as well um, I remember when we went there in the evening, we'd all go and gather around a bonfire on the beach. And um, that, if you imagine the smells coming off a bonfire on the beach, you've got the smell of the sea, you've also got the smell of the bonfire, um, and you and you get that in the whiskey as well. It sounds, if you, as soon as you mention the word smoke, some it just rings alarm bells um, for, for, for some drinkers. But this is, I think this is a very very well balanced introduction into the slightly smokier peatier whiskies i think it's absolutely it really reflects the isle of sky um mm. it and again we're sat in our uh respective offices in inverted commas talking about the whiskey and it's very very difficult to describe how how drinking it Drinking whiskey like this, where it's made and where it comes from, you know, they've got deer there, they've got golden eagles. I saw a golden eagle there; mm. it was extraordinary. Um, mm. It's suddenly it all just comes together, uh, and that and it can transport you there to a certain extent. But uh, and and during lockdown, this is obviously <laughs> rather annoying thing to suggest. You've got to go, but you do. If once you're allowed to go, go because um, yeah. it's just the well, smell. You, you can drive. You, you can drive, drive there, there if you're listening to this. Depends where you live, but yeah. if you're listening to this in the UK, um, you can actually drive it. We drive to Edinburgh every year in a in a shitty old Royal Mail van. It's yeah. probably right now a, a test zone for COVID nineteen, thanks to that hummus wrap I left in there, uh, the last date we did in March. And so you know the, you can get there quite relatively easy. So it is it, it when even if the lockdown restrictions. Removed a little so we can travel around the UK. It's it's definitely well worth it. Got, the ten year old um, is a standard. If you if you if you've not expl- if you've explored single malts but you've not explored Talisker, you need a ten year old in your cabinet. Yeah. It's a go to whiskey after and dinner. And also, I, and can I just go back to the just in terms of what to serve it with? Uh, if you can obviously you can drink it neat, you can have it over rice, but with soda water, it it really especially if you're not into that sort of if if this this smokiness might be a little bit too much. Uh, the soda water really just just takes the edge off it, and it's, it's especially in the summer. People don't realise that a whiskey and soda can uh, can be a, just the most amazing summer drink as well. Especially if you're having a barbie and you're getting something char grilled off the off, off the barbie, it is amazing, and it's, it's yeah. such a. And it's not until you go to the distillery that you realise all that. Just I mean, it's ten years. <laughs> it's it, the amount of effort that goes into make this is extraordinary. Um, and this is yeah. this is this is just the flagship, really, isn't it? It is, yeah. Because uh, 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 the the well, the geeks go go mad for the for the the ten year old, but um, they also 
the eighteen year old there's a lot of reverence around their eighteen year old whiskey as well and i've got I've got some of that so what I like about Talisker is like a lot, lot it's not unique in this in terms of whiskey distilleries, but you can sort of bounce around the the age groups and and evolve your whiskey relationship with with one distillery so the 18 year old as you'd expect has been in a barrel for longer hence the number yeah, i think it's 18 and, um, years is it 18 years instead of 10 yeah <laughs> there you go and uh, that means it's a bit spicy it sort of amps everything up we're talking about 45 percent whiskey anyway but it sort of it, it it amps up those flavors a little bit more so there's a more, more spice more intensity and that's something to to progress to once you've got your you, you mind around the 10 year old and then you've got the distillers edition within Talisker as well which is is highly revered and what Talisker's also been doing recently is the the non-age statement whiskies and this is a slight detour for the single malt world at the moment uh, the explosion of interest in single malt has left some producers not necessarily Talisker but some producers a little lighter on some of the stock no one really anticipated you know, 18 years ago that if they put the 18 year old in a barrel it would be quite as successful as it's been so you you have a little bit of forecasting to do in the whiskey world and 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 the consumer's caught up now and wants a lot of these older expressions age doesn't necessarily mean the whiskey's great but in the case of Talisker the 18 year old is a great whiskey so people really want that and as a result a lot of the distilleries have had to launch these non-age statement whiskies which mean they don't have to put the age statement on there and they can blend some of the different ages to find a profile that's still great but using using different expressions. Uh, Talisker mm. Storm is a great place to start because it's got the core elements of a Talisker. So we've got some Talisker Storm as well. I, I really like Talisker Storm. It was one of those one of the earlier non-age statement whiskies. Mm. And again, it's got it's got the character of Talisker. Slightly softer um, than the 18-year-old, but as robust as the 10-year-old. So that's a good one. And it's still got that savoury note. It's not like Bovril, but it's got a sort of savoury, salty bit that you were talking about there. Mm. And there's also Talisker Sky, just to finish off on the, the, the range, um, which is their latest edition. And that's a bit more accessible. So if you're listening to this and you're still not sure, the Talisker Sky is probably taking you down to the area where you can really introduce yourself to the, the whiskey. And that, like you were saying about highballs, Ben, that's where you go with your, your yep. soda water. Um, that will make a fantastic highball serve. So just a bit of ice and some some soda water in there. Give it a stir, maybe a slice of orange as well. Don't be afraid to do that, as we were talking about earlier in terms of the bellends who say you can't put anything in your whiskey. Of course you can. Strong whiskies, you can add a bit of water, you can use them in a cocktail. You can do what you like, Ben. Yeah. What you like. Um, Drink so. it with Luke's aid if you want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's, not, that's not a recommendation, recommended no. serve. Uh, but that, it's, it's lovely gear uh, and that's Talisker that's one single malt there are lots we will come back to single malts we'll try blends we'll try American whiskies, Japanese whiskies, all sorts of whiskies over yeah. the future podcasts but we wanted to start off with somewhere that we love that we've been to um, and hopefully we've inspired you to give it a try yeah, I've got, I've go, got I just got one apology to make on air um, to uh, um a mate of mine, he's a dad of uh, one of my oldest son's um, best friends, and um, he did some. He helped us out with a work project, and I gave him a bottle of Talisker, 
um, in the box, all boxed up nice and presented to him and made quite a big deal of it. And he was very grateful. And that was about a year ago and we were in the pub not that long ago and he said, you know that bottle of whiskey you gave me? I was like, yeah, do you like it? He goes, no, I liked it. What was left of it, I'd give inside the box. <laughs> there was a bottle with about <laughs> about <laughs> about 30 millilitres left of it. Like literally, I'd, drunk, I'd pretty much drunk the whole thing and I think... Wow. I think my wife might have put it back in the box. I'm, uh, I'm blaming her. But he didn't say anything for over a year. I mean, imagine... He must have thought I was a right twat. Um, so, <laughs> Ravi, I'm very sorry about that, and I will get you another another bottle. So there we go. There we go. Even even, right. even a little bit is, is nice, though. So there you go. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was Talisker Whiskey this week. Next week, we'll be back on um, a beer. Ben, I'm not sure if you've chosen your beer yet. No, but, uh, I if haven't. not, we'll... It will be it will be in the comments below. Yeah. Um, so please do if you can get it in advance, and we can talk you through it. You can taste it as we taste it. The Talisker is available on the whiskeyexchange.com, which is a spirits provider online. So they'll deliver it to your door, and they've got all the expressions there. So go to the whiskeyexchange.com for any of your uh, whiskey Talisker whiskey, whichever one that you like the sound of. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, spread the word not the virus uh, please, please like do, it yeah please like it please do leave comments um, please post about it on social media um, because if you don't we have to and it's a real hassle I don't mind telling you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if you could do the hard work for us that would be really really helpful thanks everyone okay brilliant so uh, tune in next week for more drinks chat till then cheers cheers